evening, team, and welcome to another Builders Problem Solved this Wednesday evening. Got a bunch of questions that uh, have been asked throughout the, the week and uh, a little bit prior. I've uh, been going back and forth with, with a few people to get some clarification on some of these questions, uh, and we'll see how far we get. Uh, let me get set up over here, make sure I can see the comments and so forth. The reason it always takes me a little bit of time to get going is I guess it takes a bit of time for the live feed to head over to Facebook before I get to look at it. And it's not coming up, but it doesn't matter. But I can see Lee. She said, hello. Hi. Hey, guys and girls. So if this is your first time, um, Builders Problem Solved, as it says uh, on the Facebook promo, solving one problem at a time for builders. Back in uh, the dark ages when we started doing this a year or well over a year ago now, um, it used to be one problem for the whole the whole evening uh, and we used to go into great detail. Now we're kind of trying to get to as many solutions as we possibly can as we go and uh, you can also ask questions as we go along um, here we go there and there we go now I can start to see what's going on so if you are watching live because it's got a little number there that tells me there's, there's a number of people watching but it doesn't necessarily tell me who please jump on the comment section and say g'day Tell us where you are, what's going on there. Uh, and if you've got any questions um, that you'd like me to cover, you can certainly ask them and uh, I'll see if I can get to them tonight. If not, we can certainly put them um, on the list for another night and uh, we'll absolutely most get to them. Now, I would ask you to ask questions or um, ask for some clarification as I'm explaining something and perhaps I... <laughs> I create more confusion rather than clarification. So if I ended up, if I end up creating more questions than answering, uh, let me know. Pop a comment in there. So as I said, there's a bunch of people watching. Just put a comment in and say hi that I so I know you're there, and uh, let me know where you are and where you're watching from and so forth. So um, let's get into this, uh, Jason, who is a uh, a recent member or a recently joined member of Builders in a Circle uh, sent a couple of, we had a bit of back and forth to try and get some clarity on the question. But um, basically, Jason is saying that uh, he, he tells me a, a bit about his business and it um, he says that uh, he's he's already got a current business, but he wants to start a new business and wants to be able to know what's going on in the original business. Um, by being able to look at scheduling and reporting and, and so forth. And he's basically saying, I can't build the other business if I'm constantly drawn back into the, the original business and trying to establish what's going on. Um, he needs up-to-date information at his fingertips. He doesn't want to be the guy who ends up with two, quote-unquote, shit businesses uh, who ruined one good business to start another. I see that happening uh, quite a bit. Ben is with us. Ollie is with us. Uh, good evening, 
chaps. I see this quite a bit, and it is, uh, I guess it's it's a little bit, it's it's the entrepreneurial condition. I think that if somebody is, I suppose, confident enough uh, in backing themselves to start their own business, they are a special type of of person. I think. I think we've really got to tip our hat to anyone who is prepared to take the risks and make the sacrifices to start their uh, their own business. Now, Jason has just joined us, so this is your question, Jason, that you sent in that I'm answering. Um, and <laughs> he's just put a comment in, accurate quote. I think that was the bit about he didn't want to be the guy who ends up with two shit businesses. <laughs> so um, I get that. <clears throat> and as I said, I think we need to, to, to give a tip of the hat to anyone who is prepared to take those sorts of risks. You know, I, I think that it's, it can be a comfort zone for, for many people. Uh, they would like to run their own business, but they endeavour to um, do it without risk so they stay in an employed position until uh, they're confident enough to, to start their own business which very rarely ever happens. I know I'm years and years and years ago, I was in a, a group where a whole bunch of coaches used to come together um, on a regular basis. And the big majority of people in that group were, weren't even coaches. I mean, they were, but they didn't have a coaching business. Um, and um, one of the things you used to frustrate the daylights out of me is many of these people would just want to talk about the best way to coach, like what's the best way to influence people and help people. And they were coming from a good place and they had good hearts and wanted to help. Um, but I kept asking them, what is the point in learning those skills if you haven't got anyone to help? You need to learn how to run a business, how to attract the clients before you um, need to worry about taking your coaching skills to the next level. You already have skills good enough to get started, but you need to make sure you uh, can can build a business. And behind me, for those who are just listening to the recording, I've just reached to reach down uh, to the bookshelf and got the, this is an old dog-eared copy of the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. The E stands for entrepreneurial. And he talks about in this book that uh, the myth is that, that all small businesses are started by a, uh, an entrepreneur type person. Uh, but the reality is, is most small businesses are started by what he calls a technician. So a carpenter or, or uh, you know, starts a building business, a hairdresser starts a hairdressing business, a motor mechanic starts a motor mechanic business because they are good at that technical work. And he says the fatal assumption that kills the majority of small businesses, and the statistics are pretty bad. Apparently, uh, uh, the most recent statistic I've been made aware of is 90% of small businesses fail in the first three years. I mean, that's just scary stuff. And he says the reason for those statistics is that they all make this fatal assumption that because they are good at the technical work, so you're good at your skill, the assumption is that you'll be good at um, building and running a business that that performs that technical skill, and uh, he said that's that's the fatal assumption causes the most amount of business failure, and uh, that is because we get sucked into 
the running of the business. We get sucked into the daily whirlwind, and this is what Jason is talking about. He doesn't want to do that. But here's the thing. Uh, we've got to change that mindset. We've got to change the mindset from business owner to entrepreneur. And, and, the, and so, you know, what, what uh, Michael Gerber is saying is that the majority of businesses are started by technicians, not entrepreneurs, but we need to learn to be an entrepreneur. And here's the difference between the business owner's mindset and the entrepreneurial mindset is the business owner and Jason and anybody else tell me uh, whether you might fit the bill here when something needs to be done, uh, you're quite happy to put your hand up to get it done. You know, uh, yep, oh, if, if somebody doesn't, um, you know, show up, you'll jump into the breach and, and take up their space and make sure things get done. And so the biz, business owner, mentality is one of uh, gathering more activity and more responsibility. Whereas the, the slight difference in the entrepreneurial mentality is that their main, pardon me, their main priority every single day, Jake has just joined us, Emma is here, Stevie G is here as well. Good evening, people. Um, the, the, the main priority the number one priority each day for an entrepreneurial mindset is to do one, and it, and it only needs to be a small thing, but you do it every day. You do one thing, take one action that will move you closer to getting something off your daily list that turns up every day or every few days that you must do every day or every week and you, you, you put activity into getting one thing off your list. Now, I'm not saying that you get one thing off your list every day. I'm saying that you schedule a little time block every day that is focused on researching or building a process or finding some software or outsourcing or a way to delegate or, or some way of getting something off your list at some stage in the future. So every day, your number one focus is doing that. And the, the, the reason that you do that is that we've got to start to get stuff off our list. If Jason wants to go build this other business, he's got to get stuff off his list. So you've got to have that that mind shift from being the business owner, which is if if you're watching the MP3, I'm kind of reaching out or listening to the MP3, I'm reaching out now and, and hugging the microphone. That's the business owner grip. Reach around and and put their arms around everything. Uh, whereas the, the entrepreneur is kind of knows what's going on but doesn't want to take responsibility uh, for the actions, for all of the actions. The, the entrepreneur has to take ultimate responsibility for outcomes, but the activities, you need to look at ways to first, the first question you ask is, is that activity even necessary? Because there are some things we've just habituated ourselves into doing and we never ever stop to, to think, is that even necessary anymore? Um, and whilst it might be a little, it might be needed a bit, it certainly doesn't 
deserve the importance that we often give it. So can we just get rid of stuff? Because that's the cheapest way to lighten the load is just not do stuff anymore. Um, and uh, I just went through a process just recently. Of, uh, it's called pro- uh, compressing my calendar. And I learned this from my coach uh, at the end of last year, compressing the calendar and squeezing everything that I used to do into uh, in five days. I'm squeezing it into three days uh, and, and, and using Parkinson's law to help me become more productive. And it is amazing when you do that, how many things you can find that uh, you go, hey, that, that really doesn't make that much difference, you know. And I'm certainly not going to give up my newfound free time to do that activity because it's not important. It's an amazing process to go through. Mick Wilkinson has just joined us as well. Uh, Good evening. And so uh, there's a couple of things that need to change. Um, Jason has just put a comment in. It says, I have a not-to-do list. (laughs) That's a good list to build, a not-to-do list. Um, so we, we need to be able to get things off our list, but those things, the things that still need to be done need to be done. And here's the next thing that we need to do. And that, this is how we, um, I suppose, improve our leadership and communication skills. This is really important for this as well. What generally happens because people are busy is someone will phone up or drop by the office or whatever, interrupt and say, can you just tell me? Or where do you, or there'll be some form of question. Now, because we're busy and we want to get them going and, and uh, you know, we, we don't want to waste a whole lot of time, what is the, the standard response when somebody asks you a question? You give them an answer. But the trouble with that is what you are doing is you're creating a thing called learned helplessness. And this just cripples business owners. And so many business owners do this. And I'm not just talking about with your directly employed teammates. I'm talking about with your subbies as well. And potentially even your suppliers, like they're all part of the team. But we create learned helplessness by when somebody asks us a question, we answer it. A leader, a true entrepreneurial leader and and, uh, someone who wants to gain freedom in their business needs to invest a little extra time and thought into how they respond to these things over and over and over. Because by answering the question, all we're doing is training that person that whenever we've got an issue, let's go and talk to Jason or whoever it is. And we repeat that and repeat that and repeat that. You develop the habit of answering all of the questions. They develop the habit of coming to you to ask the question rather than trying to figure it out themselves. So we've got to take time to invest in conversations and and coaching, if you like, to help people in your business become more skilled, become more knowledgeable, become more confident to be able to make decisions, figure things out, and not bring you into the um, the scenario every single time. And so that's one part of that. The other part of it is how do you respond emotionally when people make mistakes? 
Um, and if you respond with frustration and anger, again, what are you creating? What sort of a culture are you creating when you respond that way? Holy crap, I don't want to make a mistake. Otherwise, Jason will come down, and I'm using you as, as an example, Jason, because I'm answering your question. I'm not saying that you do this. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't want to make a mistake because Jason will come down on me like an absolute ton of bricks. You know, They've seen him go off before. <laughs> so they're, they're very concerned about you know, making a decision in case they make a mistake. So what's the best way of doing it? Uh, let's go and ask Jason and then I'll do it the way he said to do it. Um, and then if it all turns to custard, well, I did, I did what you said. Um, rather than working as a team and Jason says, put in there, I'm guilty. Um, so that's, that's, you know, there's a bunch of things that need to, to change in that space. So, you know, um, number one, you've, you've got to change that mindset from the business owner with the big hug and controlling everything to entrepreneurial trying to get things off your list um you've got to change the leadership style so your your focus is on building people's knowledge skill and confidence and that takes time but it is an investment it is an investment it's it's a little bit like you know the the parent um that that cleans the child's room um, and the motivation for cleaning the child's room is that, that the parent gets a better job, it's faster and you just avoid all of the hassle of the whinging and why do I have to do it and I'll do it later and all of that and, and so we go and do it. The trouble is with that, folks, if you keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, you end up have that, having that child living with you until they're 65 or older and you're still cleaning their room. So we've got to take the coaching role. Um, we've got to make our purpose as, as an entrepreneurial business leader to look at ways every day that we can do little things to help our, our team members grow a little in confidence, in knowledge, in skill. Uh, and the other activity that we've got to commit to each day is to do something to get a regularly occurring activity off our daily action list so it never appears there again. We've got to keep connected to it as far as making sure the outcome is still happening and at a quality level that we need. Um, but we don't necessarily need to do it. So I hope that answers in part your question, Jason. Um, it, it's, a, it's a big challenge to maintain a, a business and and then start to build a second one and uh, you know I as I said at the start it's like the human condition people who are entrepreneurial and and are confident enough to start their own business are generally the type of per people who see another opportunity and there's another one there's another one and off they go the trouble is as you said in your question you end up with two or three, uh, very, very poorly performing businesses rather, rather than one um, that works really, really well. So my suggestion is uh, work really hard in um, uh, getting it, – it's, it's not just about systems and procedures. It really is about building a team and, and a, another leader that can step into your space uh, to run that business. 
I don't believe you can have a business that is run remotely with the absence uh, of a leader. I don't believe that that you can do that. I think somebody needs to be there uh, that leads and supports and continually grows the skills, the confidence, the knowledge uh, uh, of the people that are there. That just needs to keep going. And so you need to have one person that you are the coach for, if you like, uh, and you're supporting them and building their knowledge on leadership skills and communication skills and all of the stuff that they need to get good at to run your team over in this other business. That gives you the freedom to go start another one. But here's the thing. Get the first one running so you have supreme confidence and freedom before you start to to jump over and put time and effort into building up another one because you will build the second business really, really quickly if you learn all of the lessons and implement all of these things that I'm talking about uh, and prove without a shadow of a doubt that they work, then you can basically cookie cutter all of that because it doesn't matter what the other business is. All of these principles will be the same and will work in the new business. So the new business will start very, very well and hit the ground running. In fact, quick story, uh, a member of ours, from many, many years ago, uh, was a motor mechanic, uh, started off, you know, standard garden variety, very ordinary, filthy, crap everywhere type motor mechanic, um, started implementing some of the stuff that we, we were sharing with him and built a really terrific business over a number of years, got less and less involved in the day-to-day uh, to the point where he um, his only involvement during the day was the, the the meeting in the morning. It was the daily direction meeting, uh, which was kind of an expanded version. He told me later it went for about 30 minutes. Uh, and he built an amazing business uh, that that he needed to be there for half an hour a day. After a little while, he didn't even need to be there for that because he put somebody else in that had those skills to be able to run the, the meetings and, and build the confidence, skills and knowledge of the team without him being there. He was very bored, decided to start up another business a bunch of kilometres up the road uh, and in 90 days built an equivalent business with the equivalent cash flow, um, 15K up the road uh, because he'd learnt all of the lessons from the original business, put them in the next one. So Jason says, uh, oh, Steve is also here. Hey, Steve. Um, he says, never heard the difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur expressed like that. Uh, cool. Uh, and he says, he think, think like an entrepreneur, set systems in place to empower the staff, uh, be more careful with time and build the team with better leadership. Gold in capitals. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad I could help. Um, it was a great question and I hope this was valuable for everyone else listening as well. Um, now, we had a, a, a more of a comment, but it was kind of a questiony comment from uh, a member of Builders in a Circle in the UK, believe it or not. Um, and we were going back and forth uh, over private message and I think in Builders in a Circle somewhere as well about um, being paid for proposals uh, and a qualification system and so forth. And John basically came back today and after a comment that I made, because um, I said one of he said that he already had a qualified process in place, and I said, mate, that's fantastic, better than what most people have got. I suggest you could still 
uh, improve it, you know, and put it on steroids because, um, you know, some of our black belt members, for instance, I know one of them uh, charges around about $6,000 plus for a, a proposal. And that isn't part of the, the project. It's that, that's for the proposal, that they're being paid to put the proposal together and then the job's a separate thing. Uh, and he, he basically came back and said, honestly, I can't imagine anyone paying £3,000, which is the equivalent, I guess, uh, for a proposal over here in the UK. I think it would be hard, uh, a hard sell to justify it with enough credible explanation. How do these people charging that amount get that much? Um, the, the, sh- the short answer that, that I gave John uh, in the uh, Builders in a Circle is I hear that a lot uh, when, when people find out about what goes on in Black Belt and, and how that system works and how we've got proof, you know, people go from not being paid at all to being paid a little and then they start to grow and grow until they're, they're paid appropriately for their, um, for their efforts. We get that response quite a bit, you know. Well, that's fine, but that wouldn't work here around me. And it doesn't matter whether they're in Australia or some rural or regional part of Australia or, in, in John's case, he's saying the UK, which is that's got a massive population. And um, the, 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 the challenge isn't with the geography. The challenge is with both the mindset and the model. Uh, and in fact, my coach always say says model trumps mindset, and I've struggled with that because I've been teaching mindset for two and a half decades, uh, and and I think the best I've come up with is they're equally important. I'm going to give them equal importance because you can have a great mindset and be the most positive person in the world, but if your model is fundamentally flawed, you won't get the results. And I do agree with my coach that if if uh, someone at least who who was reasonably you know cheerful and energetic had the right model they would get a lot further um than somebody who was cheerful um and energetic who didn't have the right model so i think the model is absolutely critical i jump up and down about the mindset particularly with builders business black belt members because i know that whatever you're doing if if you've got a solid model and we know our model is solid in in black belt um because when it gets implemented it works what causes its inefficiency or ineffectiveness is the mindset of the person uh implementing that model and taking shortcuts and not implementing it um the right way or not building up their skills for the various parts uh, of the presentation and so forth that's what lets it let lets it down but when you've got the model and the skills um it's it's got nothing to do with the geography it's got absolutely nothing to do with the geography um and so you know there's not much i can do about about mindset when it comes to people just thinking people around here won't pay um but i just see it in in so many areas and so many different industries there are are, are people who um still succeed when the quote unquote market is in a depression and uh you know, real estate's a classic example. You when real estate's going really well, real estate offices pop up everywhere, and uh, <clears throat> you know, 
you could sell a house by tying a, a contract onto a dog's tail and letting it run through the mall and it'll be signed by the time it gets out the other end. Real estate agents pop up everywhere because this is a, an easy way of making money. Then when the, when the market contracts and it gets hard to move property, you see them all start to disappear. They don't last long because they haven't learned the, the process of, of how to um, really get inside the conversation uh, that people are having in their mind and understand what they want and their fears, their frustrations, their wants and their aspirations and create a massive amount of value and trust and relationship. Those people thrive in, in a down market. And the same happens in building, it, you know, pretty much any industry. The people who put the effort into the process and have a great model, it doesn't matter what the, the environment's like, they, um, they do really well. In fact, <clears throat> uh, because John was in the UK, I gave him an example of uh, a, a fellow I saw on TV some time ago who is a, um, a motor vehicle uh, detailer over in the UK and um, it showed what he does and all of that sort of stuff. He takes about a, a day um, or so to detail a car. Now, when you get your car detailed over here, you know, a good job might be, you know, five or 600 bucks. An average job might be 300 bucks, you know, just to wash it and vacuum it and detail it a little bit. This guy charges 6,000 pounds to detail a car and he's got people lined up around the block like he is totally oversubscribed uh and you know most people go you know how can he possibly charge that much because he has tapped into a market and understands that market understands the mindset the emotions of that market and delivers what they want and this is the thing guys that when you identify who your ideal client is and obviously, your ideal client, if, if you want to be able to charge a premium price, needs to have the wherewithal to pay a premium price. So if, if you've niched yourself into the really um, budget-conscious first home buyer market, you're not going to be able to apply much of the stuff that we, we talk about. But when you're, uh, in, when you're attracting people who really want to build a quality home and they've sort of been there and done that with the first home thing uh, and, and they're in certain, um, that they have certain interests and they are in, in a certain space in the, the socioeconomic uh, levels, um, then you can figure out what makes them tick, you know, what are their passions? What are their fears? What are their frustrations? What are their aspirations? And the content that you put out um, can enter into the conversations they're already having in their mind uh, without interruption. And that's the first part of it. And then they, they start to, they, they, they take notice at that point, start to listen a bit more, start to engage a bit more. Uh, and start to get a bit more of no like and trust going because they've seen a bit more of your information. And then when you see them face to face, when you start to speak with them on the phone or see them face to face and take them through your qualification process, they're already quite trusting 
um, because you've given so much great value through your content and your understanding of their point of view, when you've got an advantage when you start to talk to them. And then when you show them your model and how the model is completely focused on and committed to delivering the most value possible, the highest um, uh, quality experience for your customer, and you show them how that happens and you show them what they should expect from you and what you expect from them and show them how important it is to work as a team and communicate exceptionally well and follow the systems and processes that you've built because you've learned through experience this is the way we need to do it to get this result, they absolutely love it. They're not high-maintenance clients. They come to the party. They they play the game they become a team member and it's just so much more enjoyable for you for them and for your team everybody involved and then at the other end when you do the handover and then maybe you come visit with them six months or 12 months down the track just to check in you know they can't stop thinking about it and talking about that experience that they had with you to other people so then they start to market with uh, market your business for you um, and so it's it's a whole process but you know just in answer to to John's question it's got nothing to do with the uh, the geography in fact in my response to him I said it doesn't matter where you are because everywhere you are people are basically skin bags full of emotion that's that's all we are um, and when you can understand what they're going through and you can show empathy and you can show um, uh, confidence and leadership and direction and model and system and process and proof, they go, finally somebody I can trust, I can open up to, I can work with, instead of trying to, how it works in most cases now, gather as much information from these builder experts as possible so I drive it, I make the decisions and we only tell the business builder just enough for them to function. But there's something even better than being paid for proposals and it's something that we work on in, in Black Belt. In fact, our, you know, our Scale Club members, we, we talk about this and that is becoming a trusted advisor which means that they are coming to you with complete openness and trust for you to guide them to get the best possible outcome, have the best possible experience, uh, and there's complete openness and honesty. Takes a lot of work to get there, but it is so, so worth it. So I hope this has been helpful. There was uh, some, I was going to talk about the chicken and the egg, uh, but I, we're out, of, we're out of time. We're five minutes over anyway. So <laughs> I was going to talk about the chicken and egg. So we'll leave the chicken and the egg till another day. Um, I hope this has been helpful. If you've got other questions, if you've got other challenges, if you've got other problems that, the, that you might want some information on, some support and help with, um, you can just pop them in. Uh, just message me. It seems to be the, the most popular way. Uh, at the moment so you can just go into builders business black belt facebook page and you can just send me a message um you can 
put them in Builders Inner Circle. If you're not already a member of Builders Inner Circle, jump across and join us in Builders Inner Circle. It's, it's an environment that I wanted to create because, as I've said on many of these shows before, I, I'm on a mission and I really want to help builders build a business that gives them life instead of what I see at the moment happening for most builders and their business is sucking the life out of them, both time-wise, financially and emotionally. And uh, it doesn't have to be that way and we can change it. And um, so the, the favour that I'm going to ask you is if this has been valuable and, and you believe in my mission, if you believe in, in my cause and you want to help the building industry as a whole, please hit the share button and sh- share this around to other builders that you might know so they can join in this show. Um, they can uh, come across and, and jump into Builders in a Circle because that's where a lot of the questions um, and answers happen and uh, I'm going to start something new in Builders in a Circle as well if you want to jump across into Builders in a Circle is if you've got a specific question but it needs to be specific not a big massive question because they're very difficult to answer quickly but a specific question that you want uh, answered about any area of your building business jump into Builders in a Circle ask the question and I'll put together a little video specifically to answer that question and post it in Builders in a Circle. And that means other people are going to learn from your question as well. So, um, yes, Steve, you will have to watch the recording. But it'll be on. As soon as I get off, the recording starts. So there you go. So please hit the share button. Uh, please send us your questions. Please jump across and join Builders in a Circle and let's together make a difference to this building industry and get rid of the ugly bits. I'm Mick Hawes from uh, Builders Business Black Belt. That is it for this edition of Builders Problem Solved. I'll be talking to you again next Wednesday evening on another edition. That is it. I am out. Bye for now. (laughs) 